0: CHAPTER NUMBER THREE OF A CHILD'S LIFE OF SAINT JOAN OF Arc. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING, All well, LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG A CHILD'S LIFE OF SAINT JOAN OF Arc BY MARY E. MANNIX CHAPTER THREE SAINT JOAN GOES TO THE KING WHAT MANNER OF MAN WAS THE UNCROWNED KING OF FRANCE? whom St. Joan, with her two traveling companions and their servants, accompanied also by the king's messenger, journeyed one hundred and fifty leagues to see and counsel. History on that point is divided. One account describes him as generous and kind, gentle and handsome, well-spoken and full of pity for the poor. His physical advantages, according to the chronicler, won him the favor of the people, he was fond of games luxurious in his habits and devoted to st michael st joan's own archangel another narrator gives an entirely different picture calling him ugly with grey wandering eyes nose thick and bulbous knock-kneed and awkward his portraits belie this unflattering description however it is not likely that if it were true that the painters who had the honour of portraying the features of the royal personage Would have made the portraits very lifelike. His traducers represent him as without ambition, hiding from his subjects in holes and corners, the tool of his ministers and the slave of his favorites. A life sacrificed in his behalf was a life thrown away. Both his friends and foes unite, however, in saying that he was indolent, and his conduct subsequent to meeting with Saint Joan of Arc shows him to have been deficit in those qualities most to be admired in a king bravery and loyalty to his friends but st joan blindly following the direction of the heavenly messengers in whom she implicitly believed paused not to weigh his defects or his virtues to her he was the descendant of st louis of the holy blood of france god's chosen representative of justice honor and loyalty and to outward view what manner of maid was she, who sallied forth from Valcolors upon her great adventure. Many statues have been made, and many pictures painted of her, but none that seemed to have been inspired by one who had seen her in life. Not all of these are beautiful. They differ greatly according to the ideals of the artist, who endeavored to reproduce her features in canvas or in marble. From all of them combined one might, with the eye of fancy, reproduce a composite picture in which the predominant traits would be innocence dignity sweetness and an entire unconsciousness of self it has been said by most of st joan's contemporaries and we like to imagine that she was beautiful that god having chosen her for his messenger and fashioned her soul soul divinely would also have endowed the shell of her divine spirit with beauty of form and softness of color with grace slenderness and a sweet dignity pervading all her looks and words says one who described her well joan was beautiful in face and figure with steady gray eyes bright and smiling her hair they tell us was black and wavy we can fancy the light breeze lifting it about her forehead as she sat under the old oak or wandered in the garden of the deserted castle we can see it just reaching her fine straight shoulders floating in the wind as she skimmed the surface of the greensward in the victorious races or hastened on flying feet to rescue from the brambles one of her beloved lambs or imagine it falling a dusky veil over her clear unlined forehead and soft smooth olive cheeks as she knelt face buried in her hands before our lady's altar in the little village church one of her own countrymen bastien dissatisfied with the various and altogether dissimilar pictures of her felt that he could paint a true portrait of the maid of arc he has made her a homely figure a peasant clumsy but pleasing a daughter of toil but the mouth is firm and sweet and the eyes are wonderful she seems to be listening to the voices that were constantly advising and beseeching her looking not upon the outer world but inwardly praying reflecting Drinking in the visions which were her familiar companions, but which none but herself were permitted to see. The picture hangs in the Metropolitan Museum in New York, and those who are privileged to see it there, though they may wish that St. Joan had been made more beautiful in face and form, cannot but admit that it portrays beyond all doubt the exquisite purity of a soul untouched by sin. Gifted with perfect health, St. Joan's presence diffused vitality wherever she went. Her manners were those of a lady rather than a peasant, though as the latter she was possessed of the sturdy independence and self-respect characteristic to this day of her race. No doubt with her familiar and gracious St. Margaret and St. Catherine, she imbibed something of the spiritual poise and heavenly gentleness she always referred to in describing them. So it was that with head erect, shoulders thrown back, grey eyes gazing earnestly into the distance, raven hair now closely cropped under a tight black cap and strong if unaccustomed hands firmly grasping the reins of her horse, St. Joan went on her way through the night, arriving early next morning at the town of St. Urbain, and then on to Fierbois, where there was a famous shrine of St. Catherine, which saint joan visited with great devotion thence to chinon where the king was lodged after breakfasting at the inn with her usual determination and fearless spirit she repaired at once to the castle baudricourt had written a letter to the king in her behalf but evidently it had not yet arrived for there was some difficulty in admitting her finally after these preliminary objections had been overcome she was told that the king had consented to see her, and again mounting her horse, St. Joan proceeded toward the castle. A story is related of this advance which, if true, would seem to be the first manifestation of the gift of prophecy which, as subsequent events have proven, she undoubtedly had received from God. Passing her on horseback, a man swore at her and insulted her, using foul language, St. Joan looked at him calmly as she answered, In God's name do you swear, and you so near death. With these words she pursued her way. An hour later the man fell into the water and was drowned. End of chapter 3 St. Joan Goes to the King